Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Fear, disgust and other phobic reactions are not uncommon when it comes to our interactions with the natural world. Who doesn't know somebody who is uh, afraid of spiders and snakes? But uh, how serious this is, uh, and, and if it really does become a very, very serious, it can be called a biophobia. So we know about an arachnophobia, that is a fear of uh, a fear of spiders. Or and do you know what it's called when you have a fear of snakes? If you do know, let me know. Let's see how smart you are this morning. Three four five one nine or oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine. But when they all come together, it's apparently something called a biophobia. Now, I didn't even realize that that was a real thing. Apparently, it is. Arno Nodier is a snake expert. Arno, a very good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Morning. I'm good. So how serious, I mean, how, as a snake expert, I mean, are you coming across people all the time with this, this incredible fear of, of snakes? Yes, we do, but we have it going both ways. We have more and more people realizing that they're not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this biophobia is coming from the, let's call them the YouTube generation, where everything that they watch on YouTube is, is dramatized. Ah. And because they're seeing this, they're going, oh, tigers are bad, and honey badgers are bad, and lions will come and stalk you in your tent. And so that they, it really goes crazy as well as some of the, the, the more jokey things where you're looking at something and you're trying to listen to what happens, the next thing is this screaming spider jumping at you. So mm. it can go both ways, but basically it just boils down to education. Um, once you, you go through proper education, there's nothing that you'll fear, but there are things that you'll be aware of that you shouldn't do. Um, just like we become used to electricity or lightning or whatever, um, we, we, you know, there are people that have a fear of lightning and go and sit in a dark room and co- cover the mirrors and all that. And we get the same with people with snakes and spiders. But once you get them past that, and you realize, look, it's not going to come and attack you. You should be okay. Um, then, then, then we're getting somewhere. Mm. But it doesn't mean, okay, go and pick up every, every spider that you see because we do have black widows. We do have scorpions that can kill you. We do have snakes. Do we have so, black widows in South Africa? I, I thought yes. I thought that was an Australian thing. No, no, no. It's a South African thing. Um, yes. The one that we get here is, is specifically South African, and then we get the, the brown button. Um, we call them button spiders here, not widows. In America, exactly the same genus um, has you know causes death there. The Australian one is the redback spiders, which, funny enough, have become invasive in Japan. Um, so these spiders move virtually around the world, and um, all of them have the potential to cause some problems, um, but deaths in South Africa are almost unheard of. We do, mo- we do make an antivenom for them. We make it here in Johannesburg, Modafontein. So we make an antivenom for uh, black widows, button spiders, whatever you want to call them, but it's not used that often. Uh, what is used more often is the one for scorpions. We have a few species in South Africa that can kill you but mainly um, children, the elderly, and the sickly. So if you fit and healthy, it shouldn't kill you, but it still hurts like crazy. So what happens, what is likely, let's assume that one is reasonably healthy and you get stung by a scorpion. What, what is likely to happen besides the uh, pain? A lot, of, a lot mm. of muscle cramping. It's, it, the pain is excruciating, and the problem is that if you give 
the patient opioids when they've been stung by a scorpion is actually works synergistically. So it makes it worse. So the more morphine you're giving the guy, the worse it becomes. Oh, so you have to look at something like a paracetamol-based um, opi- uh, um, analgesic. So you give him something that will that will help for the pain, but it doesn't take it away. Right. So you have that. You have all the all the muscle cramps. You have stomach cramps, especially on the children. Especially have really really bad stomach cramps, and then dizziness, sweating, and then uh, you struggle to breathe. And then you know if they if they just get you past that, then you recover. So uh, assuming that somebody is bitten by or stung by a scorpion, should they uh, should they see how bad it is before seeking help, or should they always seek help? Uh, immediately? It depends on where you are. Most of the really bad things are uh, Limpopo province running across, well, even starting in Mpumalanga, Limpopo, the warmest side, and then running down all the way into the Western Cape, uh, or Northern Cape into the Western Cape. So that's where you've got what we call a parabuthid, which are the thick-tailed scorpion. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the scorpion and it's got tiny little pincers and its big tail, then rather get to a hospital in case they need to order the antivenom. It takes a while. Um, but if it's something which is the, it's got fairly big claws and the tail's not that thick and it just stings like crazy, um, it's not really necessary to just be a, mm, uh, mm. you know, go to a hospital about that. But I mean, the the big problem with these fears are, you know, people are imagining all the lions and, and that sort of stuff. And it's not, the chance of getting eaten by a lion is very, very, very slight. Um, there was this incident now last week where one of the rangers was killed by a yes. hippo, mm-hmm. um, which is very sad because I mean, he was a, a really a nice guy. But yes, mm-hmm. it does happen. Sometimes these hippos do. But compared to people who die from getting kicked by horses and, and bitten by dogs, it, it's very low. Right. The the hippos, the, the if a, a hippos to kill you, is it because it bites or, or tramples? It just tramples. It basically tramples. If it bites you, it's more often when you're in a boat and they, they bite the boat. Um, if they bite you, obviously they've got those massive tusks and those just go right through you. There's mm. no resistance. Mm. So, so it's um, more about, you know, what we noticed, and, and I haven't seen it as much as I have um, a few weeks ago when we were in Kruger, is we saw a lot of hippos grazing in the day, which I was quite surprised about. I thought that hippos uh, stayed in the water, really came out to graze at night, but we actually saw a number of hippos um, in the daytime. I think there's, there's, it could be the season. That um, this time of the year they, they need to graze a lot more because of the quality of the food that they're getting. Um, it's not enough to sustain them, so they have to eat that much more. Uh, right. It could be that. And the other thing is um, the lion population in the Kruger Park is dropping dramatically. It's not, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if you went to the Kruger Park and you, were, you saw a leopard, it was like, wow, we saw a leopard. Now you see a leopard every single day because in the past the lions used to either steal their food or kill the leopard, mm. and now because the lion population is so weak, I mean, they've got feline AIDS and they've got foot and mouth, but they're, they're really diseased at the moment, and as a result, the leopards have just taken over. That so is it could, so be, interesting. It could be that as well. Yeah, yeah because we in fact saw, uh, we saw leopard maybe three times, and in the whole time that we were there, we didn't see lion once. I thought they'd yeah. moved them all to Pillensburg or something. <clears throat> No. no, unfortunately, it's just the lions over there are uh, very inbred. They are diseased. They are dying. And um, there's a golden opportunity now with them trying to close down all the lion farms um, to actually take some of those lions, try and rewild them, 
and put them back in the Kruger Park because it's a genetic pool is much bigger than the Kruger Park's genetic pool. So are they looking? Are they looking to do that? No, no oh, not interested. They'd rather just euthanize everything and make the problem go away and not actually um, manage the Kruger Park the way it's supposed to be managed. That's such um, a same thing with the elephants. We need yes. to get rid of elephants. Mm. So you know, just open the fences, let them go to Zimbabwe or wherever they want to go, instead of keeping them in in, in that confined area. Yeah, that's 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 really that's incredibly sad, because it is. Uh, it is an opportunity, as you say, to increase the gene pool, which is yeah. uh, all about strength, resistance to disease, all sorts of all sorts of benefits of that. It would be good for them to look into it. And I know of some lines which have been rewilded, but not all of them always. Is it, is, yeah, I was going to say, how difficult is it to rewild a lion? It, it's not. It's not. You can't just take them and throw them out there and say, okay, go hunt. Mm, um, mm. They had to have been gotten used to eating um, meat that runs past them instead of just meat that's thrown over the fence and mm, all that. Mm. So you'd, you'd want to start with some smaller ones and get them, get them going and get a, a, a decent pride and um, then repopulate areas. And if it's, even if we only put in a hundred of them, a hundred will already make a big difference in that they'll be bringing in genetics which aren't in the Kruger Park which may be more resistant to some of the diseases that the current lines have got. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Uh, just uh, before we, we let you go, I just want to go back to some of the conversation that we were having before. Uh, you spoke about poisonous spiders. In terms of poisonous snakes, I know that there has been a shortage of snake venom here in South Africa. Is that still a problem? Yeah. Unfortunately, the antivenom uh, producers have problems with the equipment. The equipment was never maintained, typical South African scenario, because it's a state-owned yeah. company. And um, because of that and the demand that they had, they basically burnt out the machines. So they are picking up, but not enough for us to go, well, okay, we can handle any snake bite that happens. So we do have a shortage. It's not as bad as what it was. They have been supplying little bits, little bits. But, for example, uh, Namibia, um, Eswatini, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Malawi, all those countries that used to get antivenom from us, they are not getting any. So if you get bitten there, um, um, it's just mm. sorry for mm. you. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> we've, had to we've had to import antivenom from India, which is made from snakes from Central Africa, which we've tested, and it sort of covers most of our stuff, but it's, it's grabbing at straws. It's not the best possible solution. Our best possible solution is Make the, make the proper uh, antivenom in South Africa because that's what we're supposed to do and we have been doing for many years. But yeah, the maintenance problem is there. And there was money put aside for new equipment and then it got stolen and oh. so the normal story. Absolutely very concerning. I think the answer there is just don't get bitten. Just do not get bitten by a snake, not until we tell you that it is safe to do so. Arno Nodia, who is a snake expert, talking to us about uh, snakes, about a biophobia, as well as some of the latest happenings at the Kruger and some of those areas.